So it's good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. As I was seeking direction for tonight's word, because we finished up our Discipline of Darkness series a couple weeks ago. We had water baptism last week, but as I was seeking direction for God's word tonight, or if he wanted to take us back into a series, which he will, uh, because I like to do series and I ask God to give me a series. If he opts to do otherwise, then I obey him. But I felt in my spirit that the Lord took me back to the same words of Paul in Romans chapter 5, where we looked at the, the last part of our discipline of darkness, when he says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 4, and we'll pray in a moment, but he says, and not only this, but we exalt, exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us hope. And that's what I want to talk to you about this evening, that one word, hope. How many of you know there's power in that one single word? Amen. Has the power to see us through, has the power to help us to overcome and endure. But that's what the Holy Spirit wants me to talk to you about tonight. It's a hope that comes from the love of God that has been poured out into our lives. Not just sprinkled, but lavished upon us. Amen. It's a hope that isn't based on anything that we can do, but it's based on what Christ has already done in us and for us. Amen. It's a divine hope that I want to talk to you about tonight. It's an eternal hope. It's a hope that has the power to see us through every trial and every tribulation uh, that we might face in this life because it's not based on this life, but the hope I'm talking about is based on the life to come. How many of you are glad that we have a life to come? Amen. That in the midst of all of the junk that surrounds us in this life, we have the hope of a life to come, a better life. Amen. A, ho a hope that takes us to heaven. How many of you are glad we have a divine hope, like I said, amen? When life lets us down, when troubles seem to triumph, when we find ourselves steeped in sorrow, when the lights go out and we find ourselves in a place of darkness like we looked at during our last series, God wants us to know that there is still a divine hope. That the Holy Spirit, according to the Word of God, has already given to us. He's already poured it out into our lives. And we just have to grasp the hold of it. Amen. It's a hope that has been poured out into our lives by the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to look at tonight. A higher hope from Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And before we go there, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Amen. Father God, I thank you that you are in this place. I thank you for the love that you lavished upon us, Father God, in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, because it's through him that we have the hope that we're talking about tonight. It's through him, through Jesus Christ, through Calvary's cross, through the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, that we have hope of an eternal life with you in glory. We thank you for that hope, Father God. And I pray tonight, as always, that your spirit would fill this place. That your spirit would fill my mind and my body, my mouth, Lord God, the words that will be spoken. Because they're not my words, God, they're your words. And I pray that you would just fill them with anointing and revelation and truth, with passion and zeal. Father God, I pray that you would anoint your people tonight as well, God. Anoint them with hearts that are willing to receive 
with ears that are open to the Word of God and whatever it is that you want to speak into our lives, God. And I pray above everything else that at the end of this day and the end of your Word, that we would be more than hearers of the Word, but that we would be doers of the Word. And that you would just build us up tonight in the most high faith. Come against every hindering spirit, every distraction. Help us for the next 40 minutes or so to forget about ourselves, God, and concentrate on you. That your will would be done in our lives. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. If I were to ask Noah Webster to define hope for us this evening, he would say, It is to cherish a desire with great anticipation or to desire something with an expectation of obtaining that desire. In order to expound on that definition and give you a better understanding of the hope as defined by Webster, over the last couple months of a long, cold winter, how many of you know it's been a long, cold winter, amen? There was a particular phrase I constantly seemed to hear, especially from my youngest daughter. And that was, I hope it snows. I hope it snows. I hope it snows. I hope it snows. Every time the forecast called for possible snow, my daughter would say, I hope they cancel school. I hope it snows enough for us to go sledding. I hope that we get enough snow that I can build a snowman. I hope, I hope, I hope. When I was a kid growing up in Pennsylvania, as many of you might remember as well, I remember saying the same exact thing when a forecast would come. But up north it was, I hope it's a blizzard. I hope they call our school number on the radio, because back then we didn't have all of our school names on the TV. We had to gather around the radio early in the morning and hope they called our number. And that's what we waited for, because every school had a number, and that's what our hope was, that we would hear our number on the radio. And then if they didn't call our number, then it was, I hope the school bus is 31 minutes late. Because on the 31st moment, that gave us as kids an excused absence from school. And it meant a full day of playing in the snow and building snowmen and going sledding and having snowball fights and having a day filled with fun. So we hoped and we hoped and we hoped. But many times our hopes melted like the snow. Because that's the kind of hope Webster is defining for us. Many of us might say that Christmas morning is one of the greatest moments of expectation we can have or have already experienced, especially as a child. As a child on Christmas Eve, we were sleepless with this word anticipation, eagerly waiting to see if Santa was going to come through for us once again. But when we got older, we know what happened to that hope. It went up the chimney and it never came back. Because the hope Webster is talking about is limited, amen? For others, the greatest moment of expectation is maybe their wedding day, a day of perfection, especially for the women. Because I'll speak for myself, and I think I might speak for most other men, when it comes to the wedding day, the groom, he wants to just say, I do, and get on with it. But the lady, especially for the woman, it is a great day of expectation. 
A day filled with great expectations. It's a day filled with the hope of a fairy tale ending and a dream come true day. But we all know very well that for many individuals on their wedding day, the dream turns into a nightmare. And so does the marriage because earthly hope has no guarantees of perfection. Amen. Earthly hope has no guarantees of always coming through the way we want it to. Amen. But that's the problem with earthly hope. It often disappoints. It often lets us down. It often comes up short and fails to meet our expectations. Amen. How many of you ever been there? You've been in that place in your life where your hopes have been disappointed, where the expectations that you had just did, were not met for some reason or another. Another popular use of the word hope that's used most often today expresses a mere wish that everything will turn out the way that we want. Like I already said, we find ourselves saying things like, I hope it snows. I hope he, I hope he asks me out. I hope I'm not too late. It's a mere wish that things will work out the way we want them to, church. I hope I get a raise. I hope that no one notices my zit. I hope I get accepted. I hope the bus doesn't come when it's supposed to. I hope I have enough money to see me through the week. I hope my wedding day is perfect. Or I hope I get what I asked for again. I hope, I hope, I hope. In other words, I wish everything, I wish that everything will turn out the way I want. But how many of you know that this is a false hope? Because in this life, we don't always get what we want. Amen. In this life, we don't always get what we bargain for. <clears throat> I've been there a lot of times in my life. Strike up a bargain and you don't get what you bargain for. In this life, the reality is things don't always work out the way we planned. In this life, things don't always turn out the way we expected, church, because in this life, the snow melts too soon. In this life, the bus comes over the hill when you don't want it to. In this life, the acceptance letter may never arrive. In this life, the promotion goes to somebody else. In this life, the groom doesn't show up at the altar. In this life, the money doesn't go far enough to pay every bill. Because in this sinful world we live in, we don't always get what we want. Amen? In this world, our wishes don't always come true. Now, I know that that may sound sad, and I know that that might be depressing for us. But the reality is, it's exactly why we need a higher hope that's not attached or connected to anything of this world. And that's the hope that the Holy Spirit wants us to learn about this evening. We need a higher hope, amen? It's not connected to the situations or circumstances of life. It's not connected to the goings-on and the surroundings of this earthly world. It is connected to one thing and one thing only. It is connected to the Word of God and the will of God and the purpose of God and plan of God. It's connected to Jesus Christ. That's the hope that I'm talking about this evening. You see, what we have to remember is that in this world and in this life, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble and things won't always go smooth. 
Jesus was reminding every one of His disciples, and how many of us know that we are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? In the Word of God, He tells us that you're not always, things aren't always going to work out the way you want them to. Things aren't always going to go out as the way that you plan. You can spend, your, you can spend a, a whole lot of time planning things out for your life in a specific manner and outline it from A to Z. But it won't always work out that way. It won't always turn out that way. Because things in this life, the evil things, this is an evil world we live in, church. It rains on the just and the unjust alike, amen? And in the, rea- the reality is, in the midst of all of these things, the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties, the sadnesses, and the sorrows, God wants to remind us tonight that there is a hope that is not attached to this world. There is a hope that is not attached to the situations and circumstances of your life. It's a hope that comes from heaven. It's a divine hope, church. And this is what we have to realize. That even though things don't always go our way, there is a hope. Even though Jesus said... In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will face trying times. He goes on and says, but thank God, because I've overcome this world. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't leave us hopeless? Amen. He doesn't leave us helpless. His love never fails. It never runs dry and it never leaves me alone. That's the hope that we have, church, that there is a love that comes from Jesus Christ, that no matter what goes on in our world, that there is a hope that we can cling to. Please understand when Paul and Silas were bound in a deep, dark prison cell, And didn't know what tomorrow held for them. Read the story. You know it. They didn't know if their life was going to last before, was going to end before daybreak. But what hope do you think they held on to? In the darkness of their prison cell, what hope do you think they held on to? They held on to the hope of heaven. They held on to the hope of eternity. They held hope. They held on to a divine hope and a heavenly hope and a higher hope, church. Because in the situation that they were in, there was no physical thing that they could hold on to that would give them any hope, church. But they held on to a higher hope. What do you think that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, what hope do you think they held on to when they found themselves in a fiery furnace? They, felt, they held on to the hope of heaven. They held on to the hope of eternity. They held on to the hope of the Father, church, because even in the midst of their, even in the midst of their re- being ready to be tossed into the fiery furnace, what did they say? They, they said, even if God does not deliver me, I will not bow down. Why? Because they had a higher hope, church. That even if God didn't deliver them from the fiery furnace, even if God didn't deliver them from the trial and tribulation, even if God didn't deliver them from the sadness or the storm that seemed to be surrounding their life, they held on to a higher hope, and that was the hope of heaven. And it's why they were able to say, even if He doesn't deliver me, I will not bow down because they had a higher hope. Why do you think Paul was able to say to live is Christ and to die is gain? It's because he had a higher hope. Of course, he, he wanted to live and advance the kingdom and experience the things that God wanted him to experience. But he said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Why could he say that? Because he had a higher hope. He had a hope that wasn't attached to the things of this world. What hope do you think Daniel clung to when they throw him into a den filled with hungry lions? He held on to a higher hope. He held on to a heavenly hope. He didn't cling to any earthly hope. 
He held on to a higher hope. And the reality is you and I have to do the same exact thing. When we find ourselves in a fiery furnace, when we find ourselves in a lion's den, when we find ourselves in a deep, dark pit, when we find ourselves in the midst of trial and tribulation and sadness and sorrow and heartache, God wants us to hold on to a higher hope. You see, the sad reality is, listen, the sad reality is we're living in such a now generation. We're living in such a now society that it's hard for us to look past the moment. But it's exactly what Paul and Silas did. It's exactly what the disciples did. It's exactly what what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did and Daniel did. They looked past the moment to a higher hope and glory. And you and I need to learn to do the same exact thing. And the and the greatest way for us to do that is to begin to detach ourselves and to detach our affections from the thing of this world, because the more you're in love with this world, the less you'll be attached to heaven. The more you're attached to the things of this world and the material things of this world and the ways of this world, the less you will cling to the higher hope of heaven. The less you think about eternity, the more you think about all of the temporary things of this world. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us is that we have to have our minds set on a higher place. We have to have our heart set on a higher place so that when we find ourselves in a trial and we find ourselves in a tribulation and we find ourselves in a time of difficulty, we have something we can hold on to. You see, the sad reality is there's a lot of individuals in the house of God have nothing to hold on to, got nothing to cling to. They never think about eternity. They're not at that place where their number one affection is Jesus Christ, where their number one affection is the kingdom of God. What does the Bible say? What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things shall be added unto you. So when we attach ourselves to heaven, when we cling to the hope of heaven, church, God is able to, to, to bring all of those other things into our life. But listen, when we attach our hopes to the things All these other things that Jesus is talking about, all these other things that he wants to add to us, when we cling to those and make those things our hope, we will be disappointed. We'll always be disappointed because the things of this earth will always disappoint us. They'll always fail. They'll always let us down. It's why we need a higher hope. In the natural, hope is simply to desire something with anticipation of obtaining that desire the Bible or the definition is. But unfortunately, earthly hope comes without any guarantees. Earthly hope has no guarantees. This life has no guarantees. It'll make a lot of promises. This world will. The devil will make a whole lot of promises to you. TV commercials will make a whole lot of promises to you. This world, this this generation, this society that we live in will make a lot of promises to you. But this life comes without any guarantees, church, especially if you don't have Christ in your life. This world makes fantastic offers, but gives no refunds when it fails to satisfy. It makes all sorts of promises, and it tells you if you do this, and you try this, and you experience with this, it'll make you feel better, and it makes all sorts of promises. But when the, when the promise turns into poison, and the promise turns into heartache, and the promise turns into headache, and the promise turns into destruction in your life, you think they're going to turn around and refund you on what you paid? Absolutely not. No, I thought this drug was going to make me happy. 
I thought this drug was going to make me joyful. You think that they're going to refund you? Oh, I thought this six-pack would make my life complete. You think you're going to be able to go to the beer distributor and tell them, hey, I want a refund because I drank a six-pack and it made my life more miserable. They'll laugh at you, church, because this world, this life offers no guarantees. The Bible tells me the only thing that is certain in this life is that we're born and we die and then comes the judgment. That's the only guarantee this life offers is that you'll be born, that you will die, and then you will face the judgment, church. And it's why when we face the judgment, it's why it's another reason why, church, before we face the judgment, that we have a hope to cling to so that we don't face the judgment. But anyway, my point is this 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 world makes fantastic offers, but it doesn't refund you when it fails to satisfy when it doesn't come through or it doesn't perform in your life. Earthly hope makes a whole lot of pretty promises every day, but it breaks them all the time. And it disappoints us just as often, church, and a lot of us have experienced that. Every day this world says, buy this and buy this and try this and try that. We spend hard-earned money, church, on earthly items in hopes that it will make me feel better, make me look better, make me live better, make me feel better, only to find out that our hopes, those hopes, were built on false advertisement, church. Because no matter what we try and what we buy, it seems like no matter how much money we spend on it, we still look the same. We still feel the same. We still live the same, church. Because the reality is, in this life, no matter how much money you spend on yourself, things are going to keep falling out and things are going to keep falling down. That's the reality of this life, church, because in this life, that's, in the, that's life in the natural and it's why earthly hope has no guarantee except the fact that your life will one day end. That's the only guarantee this life has. That's not a good guarantee. But the reality is, please listen to me, there is a guarantee in Jesus Christ that says, if I will receive Him and believe in Him, that I shall have life everlasting. Amen? That's a pretty good guarantee. That all i got to do is receive Him, and all i got to do is believe Him, and I will have life eternal. That's a good guarantee. That's a hope I can cling to. Amen? That's a hope I can clap about. That's a hope I can sing about. That's a hope I can dance about. This world can't offer me anything that has that power, that can make that promise. But Jesus does, church. If you look again at Webster's definition of hope, it's usually in reference to expectations of fleshly things or earthly things or temporal things, church. Because in this life, the reality is things are temporal, things are fleshly, things are, are earthly. It, it makes reference, Webster's definition makes reference to things without an eternal guarantee. Without an eternal guarantee. As we all well know, this life can be, or this type of hope can be filled with disappointment. Because this hope is based on the work of man and the word of man. And the ability of man and the affluence of man or the wisdom of man or the generosity of man or even the greed of man, church. Earthly hope is defined by man and it depends on man. 
But Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that there is a hope that doesn't depend on man, that's not built around man, that has nothing to do with man. It tells us that there is a hope that does not disappoint, that there is a hope that will not let us down. There is a hope that will never come up short. There is a hope that has the power to overcome instead of being overcome. It's a hope that's defined by God and it's dependent upon God, church. It's a hope that became flesh and dwelt among us. It's a hope that the Bible says was full of truth. Amen? It's a higher hope. And if there was ever a time in our life... If there was ever a time in society that we needed a higher hope, it's today. With all of the garbage that's going on around us, with all of the sin and the compromise and all of the unrighteousness and ungodliness and the the compromise that fills our life today and even fills the house of God. If there was ever a higher hope that we needed, it's today, church. And that's the hope of eternity it's a hope that was poured out upon us through the, through the love of Jesus Christ. And it's the hope that we're talking about tonight. It's a higher hope and a heavenly hope. It's a hope that comes with the guarantee, like I said, that whosoever receives and believes in this hope shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's exactly why this hope won't disappoint, church, because it's built on the work of Jesus Christ, not on the work of man. It's built on the work of Jesus at Calvary's cross, church. It's a hope that is connected to the cross. And how many of you know when you connect yourself to the cross, you connect yourself to God? When you connect yourself to the cross, you connect yourself to eternal life. When you connect yourself to the cross, you you connect yourself to a home in glory, to a robe of righteousness, to fellowship with the Father. When you connect yourself to the cross, you connect yourself to a higher hope. You see, the reality is, church, without Christ, there's no hope. Without Christ, there's no eternal life in glory There's eternal life in hell, there's eternal damnation, but there's not eternal salvation. There's not not salvation from the punishment and the wrath that is coming towards those who did not put their hope in Jesus Christ. You see, the sad reality is there's coming a day when when we will stand, every individual will stand before, before God and they will have to answer, did you put your hope in Jesus or did you put your hope in this world? Did you put your hope in the blood of Jesus Christ and Calvary's cross and the work that he did? Or did you put your hope in man? Did you put your trust in man? Did you put your confidence in the flesh? Or did you put your confidence in God? That's what we'll have to give answer to, church. And depending how we answer that will depend how we spend eternity. Listen to me. We need a higher hope to cling to today. And that's only made available to us through the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 24, 25 says this. It says, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Goes on and says, for who hopes for what he already has? Who hopes for a fancy car that they're already driving? Who hopes for a pile of money that they already have? Who hopes for a gift that's already been given to them, church? This is what Paul is saying. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it, the Bible says. If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. 
What is it that we don't have, church? What is it that divine hope waits for? It waits for heaven. It waits for immortality. It waits for incorruptibility. It waits for the crown of glory that the Bible says that we will one day have. It waits for it waits to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come and enter the rest that that I have prepared for you. You see, heavenly hope waits. It waits. It waits. The, the kind of hope that I'm telling you about. It waits. It waits patiently. It doesn't get all flustered in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the trial and the tribulation, it waits. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. The hope that Paul is speaking of has the power to look past today and hold fast to tomorrow. Look past today. The hope that I'm talking about has the power to look past the trial that you're in. Look past the tribulation that you're in. Look past the storm that you're in. The, the sadness that you're in or the, separate, uh, the, the situation that you're in. The hope that I'm talking about has the power to look past your trial and your tribulation and your trouble. And hold on to something greater, church. It has the power to look past that. And this is what we have to learn as, as disciples of the Lord. That we on a daily basis have to be able to look past today and hold fast to tomorrow. Because if you don't have a heavenly hope and you don't have a divine hope, and you don't have a higher hope, guess what? You're going to throw in the towel. When things come against you, you're going to throw in the towel if you don't have a higher hope. If you don't have a higher hope when the devil comes in against you and your life turns upside down and, and the bank account is empty and, and it seems like God has forsaken you when He hasn't, church, you're going to throw in the towel. If you don't have a heavenly hope, you're going to, you will not... Ever find yourself seated in heavenly places. If you want to be seated in heavenly places, even while you're living on this earth, church, you need to have a higher hope. You have to have your eyes set past today and focused on tomorrow. And the tomorrow I'm talking about that has the power to see you through every situation is the tomorrow that we will experience in glory. The tomorrow we will experience when, when God decides to part the heavens and sound the trumpet and bring His children home. That's the, the tomorrow that I'm talking about, church. And that's what we do not yet see. In Ephesians, Paul tells us that before we were Christians, we were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, or, or excluded from citizenship in heaven, and that we were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. And it says we were without hope and without God in this world. Because like I said, without Christ, we have no real hope. Without Christ, we have no hope for heaven, no hope for everlasting life. But because of the love of God that was lavished upon us, because of the love of God that was poured out upon us, church, we have eternal hope. A hope that looks past tomorrow. Look, if you want to get through your situation, you want to get through your trial, you want to get through your time of darkness, focus on your higher hope, church. That's what will see you through. That's the only thing that will see you through. That's where we so lack, in my opinion, in the Christian faith today. Because we are so now and so temporary. We don't want to wait till next year. We don't want to wait for that thing that we can't see. We want to see it right now. 
But we have to wait patiently, church, for God to do the work that He needs to do in our lives. And He says that if you have a higher hope, it's what helps you through these trying, difficult times that you find yourself in in life. Amen, church? Divine hope is far more than a mere wish. It's a divine promise that is able to be enjoyed by every believer, even when we go through the trials and the tribulations and the troubles of life. Even when things don't turn out the way that we had planned, even when our wishes don't come true, there is a higher hope that we can cling to. Higher hope. It's hard for us. When I was going through this study, it's hard for us to understand this because maybe our mindset isn't where the mindset of the disciples were or those that have gone before us. That great cloud of witnesses that has run the race before us. We're so material-minded and so self-centered so often that it's hard for us to look beyond our own needs and look beyond our own situation and look beyond our own griefs and sadnesses and sorrows to to, to a tomorrow that we have not yet seen. But I want you to know that when Paul was shipwrecked, what do you think he focused on? He focused on on that which was not yet seen. He focused on that which was to come. It's what took them through. It's what enabled them to run the race. It's it's what enabled them to endure. It's what enabled them to be steadfast in their affection for the Father. It's not because of what God did for them while they were here on earth. It's because of the hope that was set before them. It's the hope that was set in front of them, church, which is glory. Listen to me. We get all hooped and excited about the temporary things that God does for us here on this earth. And we can't dance, clap, or shout about glory. We can't dance, clap, or shout, or get excited about what's in store for us. And that's a home in heaven, church. Listen to me, if God never did one more thing for us here on this earth, we should still dance, shout, and clap our hands because there is a home in heaven that's available for us, church. Jesus Christ died. Not just just, you can just be happy here. He died So that you could be reunited with the Father and have everlasting life. Jesus didn't shed His blood so that I could have some temporary pleasures here on this earth. He shed His blood and He died a gruesome death so that I could overcome sin and death and the grave. And so that I could have everlasting life. And that should get us excited, church should cause us to clap our hands. That's what we should, listen, that's what we should praise about every time we come into the house of God. That's what we should sing about. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was sinking in miry clay, but now I'm on a rock eternal. I was lost and going to hell, but now He saved me and touched me and turned my life around. And He's made access for me to come and be reunited with my Father. And even though I'm going through hell and high water this day or tomorrow or next week or all month long, there is a higher hope that I have. And it's called glory. It's called heaven, church. We've got to change our mindset. We've got to become more detached from this world so that we don't put our hope in this world, church. 
Remember, we are just strangers, the Bible says, in a strange land. Sojourners just passing through to what? To a home in heaven that was made available to us through the love of Jesus Christ that was lavished upon us and poured out on us, church. That's what we're talking about tonight. I'm not talking about an earthly hope. I'm not talking... Listen, please please don't misunderstand me. God's going to take care of you here on this earth. God's going to meet your needs according to His riches and glory. But if all you're ever focused on is the eternal, uh, on these temporal things, church, you're going to miss out on the, on the grand thing. Our lives should be focused on eternity. And when they're focused on eternity and the higher hope that we have, it enables us to go through this life and go through the heartaches and the headaches, church, without panicking. Without throwing in the towel and running away. Listen, the last thing the devil wants you to be focused on is eternity. The last thing he wants you to be focused on is eternity. Why do you think he tries to make your life so temporal? So you forget about glory. Because he understands, if anyone understands, he understands. If, if the devil can get us to forget about glory... If the devil can get us to forget about our home in heaven, if the devil can can cause us to forget about what Jesus Christ paid the price for, was for uh, everlasting life, he's got us beat. If he can cause us to live in the temporal and the now, he's got us beat. And the only way to combat that is that when the devil comes against you and he thinks he's thrown everything he has at you and he thinks you should be down on the ground boo-hooing and giving up and throwing in the towel, he sees you dancing and he sees you lifting up your hand and he sees you rejoicing and he hears you speaking in tongues because I have a higher hope that's not attached to any of this stuff. It's able to say, bring what you may, devil. But my hope is in glory. I may never experience another earthly blessing in my life, devil, but I got a higher hope. Listen, it's that hope that he can't touch. He can touch the earthly hopes that you, but he can't touch the heavenly hope that has been poured out into our lives. It's been purchased. By the blood of Jesus Christ, the heavenly hope that I'm talking about, this higher hope that I'm talking about, was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. He went into the slave market where you and I were found living our lives, and He paid a price for your eternal hope and glory. He paid a price, church. That's why we say, if you begin to put all of these things together, it's why we are able to say or should be able to say, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'm going to glorify God in my body. Why? 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 Because He purchased my eternal hope. That's why I'm going to glorify Him, because He gave me what I could never have on my own. He gives me something to look forward to, which is eternity. Listen, you can live your life plentiful, but if you don't have a higher hope, it's meaningless. Your life can be filled with all great things here on this earth temporarily, but if you don't have a higher hope that is based on the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, you have no hope at all. You have no hope. 
Because all of these things will crumble and die. They'll pass away. They'll rust and turn to dust, the Bible says. But my hope of heaven is an eternal hope. Amen? The reality is there is a hope that overcomes. There is a hope that endures. There is a hope that presses on. There is a heavenly hope that is able to look past the hurts and the headaches, like I said, and past the trials and tribulations of today to a tomorrow that is filled with glory. And that hope holds on. Remember, as I begin to wind this down, the Bible tells us that because of the hope, the hope, the joyous hope set before him, Jesus endured the cross despising the shame and despising the pain. What was his hope? The joyous hope set before Jesus. What was his hope? This is, the Bible's telling me that there was a joyous hope that enabled Jesus to get through the, the more than the 39 lashes, to get through the pain and the gruesome beating upon his back that disfigured him. There was a hope that enabled him to get past the pain of the crown that was shoved upon his head where the thorns scratched against his skull. There was a hope that enabled him to endure the mocking and the beating and the, and the, and the pulling and the plucking of his beard like he was a chicken. There was a, there was a hope that enabled him to endure the long journey to Golgotha's hill, there was a hope that enabled him to endure the pain and the suffering and the nail-scarred hands and, and the nails through the feet and the, and the piercing of the side and the gambling for his garments. There was a hope that Jesus had. It was a higher hope. You think Jesus had an earthly hope? His hope was set and anchored in glory. From the foundations of the earth, he had a hope that was established in heaven. And that's where our hope is, too. It was the hope of being reunited with the Father who had to turn his eyes from him because he was so covered in the filthiness of our sin. The sky grew dark and black and he was separated from the Father. He cries out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? His Father turned his back on him. He endured all of that, church, for the hope of glory. The hope of being seated at the right hand of the Father and regaining His throne. The hope of you and I being snatched from the grave of sin and the grave of death and being reunited with our Father which is in heaven. We are His spiritual brothers and sisters and He is our Abba Father. And the hope that was set before Him is that the family of God would one day be reunited in our home which is in heaven. Amen. That's what, that was the joyous hope set before Jesus. And if Jesus, the Son of God, needed a joyous hope to see Him through, good God Almighty, how much more do we need a joyous hope to be set before us? Amen. Because without that joyous hope, we'll never carry our cross. We'll never go to Golgotha's hill. We'll never face the grave. We'll never overcome sin. We'll never overcome death. We'll never overcome the grave. We'll never overcome the enemy that sets himself against us if we do not have a higher hope. Listen to me, church. We need a higher hope today. A hope that doesn't depend on the hand of man, but depends on the work of God. 
I'm going to close this down. If we have someone that can bring the music, let's do that. But as I close, here's what I want us to understand. Remember the song? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You see, the individual that wrote that knew. I put my trust in man, I put my trust in God. Put my hope in man, I put my hope in God. I don't know about you, church, but I, I want to put my hope in God. Please don't put your hope in the pastor. As spiritual of as a man, he is. He doesn't want you to put your hope in him. I'm not saying he can't help you, and I'm not belittling him when I... Don't put your hope in me. I'm going to let you down. I'm a human man just like you are. I'm not immortal. I'm not incorruptible. Don't put your hope in me. I'll let you down. But Jesus will never fail. Amen. Jesus will never fail. Don't put your hope on earthly things. Because earthly hope will disappoint you and it'll fail. But Jesus never fails. I'm going to close with this. The Bible teaches us that faith is the key that opens up God's promises to our lives. I mean, you know that through faith, faith is the key that opens up the promises of God in our life. You hear it all the time. Well, just have faith, have faith. And It'll come. Have faith and it'll come. Have faith and the windows will open. Have faith. And, and that's all true. Faith is important. Faith is the key that God has given us to open up our lives to the impossible power of God in our lives. Amen? That's the power of faith. But it also teaches us that hope is the tool by which we hold on to those promises. Faith is, faith teaches us or faith is the key that opens up God's promises to our lives, but hope is the tool by which we hold on to them. Hope is the tool by which we hold on to those promises, church. Let me explain. By faith, the Bible says this, by faith, not by works, not by anything. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a strange place, which he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, the Bible says. By faith... Abraham obeyed and he went, not knowing where he was going. But it was hope that kept him going. You see, the reality is faith takes the first step. And it's the biggest step. Okay? Faith takes the first step. But hope takes the rest. That's what you need to understand about hope. The biblical hope that I'm talking about. When Peter stepped out of the the water or out of the boat onto the stormy sea, it was a huge step of faith. That first step was a step of faith. The rest of them were steps of, I hope I get there. Hope, I hope I eat. But what did he do? When he took his eyes off the hope, when he took his eyes off, he sunk. That's what we have to understand, church, is that our, heavenly, our higher hope is Jesus Christ. He's the one that sees us through the storm. He's the one that leads us across the, the stormy sea. He's the one that takes us to the other side. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Him. By faith again, the Bible says, Abraham believed God would provide for him a son, even at his ripe old age. Amen? Which was close to 100 years old. Or 80 at that point. 
But it was hope that clung to that promise for 25 more years. 25 years. It was faith, the Bible says, by faith Abraham believed. He believed. But it was hope that clung to that promise that he believed in for 25 years, church. That's the power of hope that I'm talking about. Finally, by faith. Again, by faith. Faith is a great thing. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? I'm not belittling faith here. I'm teaching you divine hope, higher hope. By faith, Noah, when he was warned of things to come, picked up a hammer, the Bible tells us, and he started to build. But it was hope that held on to that hammer for 100 years. It was hope that held on to that hammer for 100 years. When everyone laughed at him, when everyone mocked him, you're a joke, they ignored him. It was hope. For 100 years that held on to that hammer. He never let go, church. He never let go. That's what I'm talking about. That's the divine hope that I'm talking about. Because it's what sees us through. For 100 years, Noah didn't lay down the hammer. The Bible says that he did everything according to the word of the Lord that was spoken into his life. Why? Because he had a higher hope. He had a hope that didn't depend on what man said. Whether he had one helper or 1,000 or none at all, he still had hope that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. And that God was going to save him and his family, just like he's going to save you and me. Amen. You see, the reality is, here's what I just want you to understand this. I'm not going to get theological, but just like God had to destroy the earth and he saved Noah, that's the story of us. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the man, or the coming of man, church. So when the Lord comes today or tomorrow or now in this generation, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. So what do we learn from Noah? Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Don't put down the hammer. Don't put down the faith. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop believing. Cling to that higher hope. Because Noah understood that he and his family would be saved. And if we want our family, Christian family, personal family, to find our way through the flood and rest in glory, we too have to have a higher hope. Amen? How many of you want to make it all the way to glory? Stand to your feet because this is how we're going to pray. God, I'm thankful that you got a higher ho- you got a higher hope for me, Amen. You got a heavenly hope, you've got a divine hope, and it's through that hope that I can make my way to heaven, Amen.